Ideas matter. Ideas matter. This is Dialogue. Hello and welcome to Dialogue. Though there was a sharp rise in China's economic growth earlier this year following the lifting of COVID restrictions, China's economy has experienced a noticeable slowdown, which has raised concerns about the country's growth amid rising challenges. What factors are contributing to this slowdown and how much impact could it have on the global economy? Additionally, what else needs to be done to stimulate economic growth? To discuss these questions and more, I'm joined by Hong Hao, Chief Economist at Grow Investment Group, Chen Jiahe, Chief Investment Officer at Novam Archie Technologies, and Anna Tangen, Independent Current Affairs Commentator. Welcome to Dialogue. So, Hong Hao, I will start with you. You know, China halved the stamp duty uh, of the stock transaction to boost the market confidence. Uh, so, what's the observation? Uh, is this a, you know temporary or is it long term? And what kind of impact it will have on the um, you know uh, effort to boost confidence? Well, I think people have been uh, uh, waiting for the uh, stamp duty cut to come out. So, uh, so even before the announcement, you know, there was plenty of expectation in market, and therefore. You know, at, at the day of the uh, announcement, uh, price opened very high, right, five and a half percent higher uh, than the previous close. Uh, but then soon it sort of evaporate much of the gain. Uh, so you know what that is telling us is that you know the market has some sort of expectation that is running, you know, for a stem duty cut, and also uh, a stem duty cut is a strong policy signal, you know, for the market, you know, from the management. Uh, uh, trying to you know shore up the confidence in the market, but then at the same time, you know because the stamp duty is already very low, right? So you could, you cut it into half, and, and no one probably no one will be affected uh, by you know having the stamp duty, uh, and then you know to, you know invest more, put more money into into the stock market. So I think as a result, you know the the effect has to be you know has been quite fleeting. Uh, so I think you know people were looking for more. Positive news uh, from management, you know, to shore up uh, the economy and confidence. And already you've seen uh, uh, interest rate cut on uh, existing mortgages being announced as well. And I think many of the commercial banks are having uh, meetings, work meetings, you know, you know how to, how best to execute this new policy. Uh, so you know, this uh, once this is executed, you know, it would add to, add to the uh, wallets of uh, the Chinese consumers. So I would say that you know it's it's one of the more substantial uh, positive news right, that is coming up from the top. Mm -hmm. So Jiahe, this latest move is mostly uh, I mean symbolic about this uh, determination or the will uh, from the central government to uh, do what's necessary. I mean to uh, stimulate the economy uh, to boost the confidence in the economy. Uh, what do you make of it? You know, obviously people are expecting more um, rather than. Just a, a one, uh, you know, just a one-off measure here. Well, yeah, I mean, definitely, people are expecting more because uh, you know uh, when we look at the overall economic growth rate, it's only five point five percent in the first half, and uh, the second half doesn't look that easy because currently the most important thing is that China's real estate market is really in. Uh, uh, territory that is not very strong, you know, because we try to get the bubble away from the real estate market, and that actually puts the largest pressure onto the economy. Uh, besides, the export has also bring a smaller amount of problem. So people are expecting that the government should, you know, just try to save the economy uh, once in a while and, and alleviate all the pressures on the real estate uh, market. 
But that might be a wrong decision if they actually do that, because uh, if you look at the real estate price, it's actually quite expensive, especially in first tier cities. Uh, the rental yield is somewhere between one to two percent. So that's actually not a price that is uh, you know, good for the country in the long term. So what the government is trying to do is that they're trying to make sure the economy grows uh, positively while trying to uh, calm down the property market. So that's very, very hard a task that the government is actually facing. Mm -hmm. uh, well, Anna, as uh, Jack mentioned, you know, of course, you know, one of the biggest challenges is uh, from the property market. We know that, uh, you know, country garden and uh, the Evergrande, you know, the debt problems with them. And then people would say, oh, now we have a crisis. We have to save the property market. In particular, there's a giant, uh, you know, developer there. Uh, obviously, this is partly, I mean, the purpose of the government to lower the cost of purchasing all, uh, uh, you know, property here in China. Well, there's a couple of things. Before we start on this, I just want to marvel. Forty days ago, the headlines in the government, uh, U.S. in particular, was saying that China was an economic juggernaut that was challenging the U.S. and their rise had to be, you know, managed. Now, all of a sudden, China is a ticking time bomb, okay, whose decline has to be managed. And, and this, this goes to this issue about false uh, narratives, uh, dichotomies, saying that's either one or another. We live in a time, uh, always, uh, where things are dynamic. Uh, today's solutions create tomorrow's problems. So what China started out with was investment led growth. That means they were putting in the infrastructure, uh, housing market was going very, very strong, people invested in it, wealth rose. Now they, you know, you can't have housing prices go up forever. If, you know, people in cities can't even think about affording a house because the median income and the median house price are so far divergent. Government recognized that, and they said, "Okay, we have to do something. We have we have to have a better society." So rather than just let the market go, they said, "We have to calm the market down, keep it at steady." Now we have headwinds, not only because of COVID-19, but also because of the economic in situation internationally, which isn't China's fault. It's just things that happen. It's part of the dynamics of things. So China is trying to adjust as it can. Now, in terms of the property market. One thing you should pay a lot of attention to is that who was investing in a lot of these big property agencies? U.S. and foreign, um, you know, hedge funds, etc. Why? Well, th what they were pushing Evergrande and all of these things is says, make money, make money, make money. Don't worry about it. The market goes on forever. So they were pushing them to do more development when they should have been doing less. And that's why they wound up in the position. So when you hear these headlines about 180 billion, the real question is, what are the assets? What's the difference between the assets and that? And then how long is it going to take to unwind? The people who are going to suffer here are the people who are owed money, you know, small tradespeople, and the people they owe money to because they're going to be in a bind. And this is really the issue that the government has to look at. They don't need to throw money to people who got very wealthy exploiting the system, not working for it, working for themselves. So it's, it's always a balancing act. Mm -hmm.
Uh, well, you know, uh, of course, you know, there's, uh, it's, it's beyond the property market. There are also uh, challenges, you know, existing at the same time. For example, import export, the, uh, you know, dropping uh, in that respect. And there are external factors too, you know, relationship with the U.S., uh, you know, trade ties with the U.S. Uh, too. Uh, so where, where are we now in terms of the import-export? Um, export probably, you can say, uh, it's about the um, global economy, that, which is not that strong. And import, uh, can we say our Chinese economy or consumption is not that strong. Uh, so, in that respect, or you know, what what do we need to do? Yeah, exports has been uh, slowing down uh, since late last year. Uh, it's, it's no surprise to anyone. Uh, I think reason being, you know, the the US and also Europe, you know, is still maintaining uh, relatively restrictive uh, monetary policy. Therefore, it is dampening domestic demand there, and therefore, you know, demands for Chinese goods uh, has to decrease uh, from earlier on. Uh, and also, you know, the trading partner for, for China has uh, changed as well. So China is now doing more business with Southeast Asia, you know, who are emerging markets are also, you know, suffering from, uh, from a global slowdown as well. So I think, you know, export is not a pretty picture here. I think, uh, you know, it is part of the economy that we have relatively little control, right? So you can argue that with, uh, with a, a cheaper yuan, you know, it will help to strengthen our exports, make it more competitive, you know, but the fact is that the foreign demand for Chinese goods uh, is sort of slowing down. I think imports uh, is affected by you know how the U.S. Uh, ban on te uh, technological investment uh, exports uh, uh, for for Chinese uh, demand. So we're buying we're, we're finding it a lot harder to buy you know high tech uh, U.S. Uh, uh, imports uh, that used to be you know a, a large bulk of Chinese imports from the U.S. So I think as a result, you know, if you, if you look at the import numbers, right, so it's slowing down even faster uh, than export number. That results in a, 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 a historical a trade surplus almost on a monthly basis. And then it's also a reflection of how uh, uh, the uh, uh, relative strengths between uh, exports and imports or foreign demand versus domestic demand. Uh, so I think this is the part of the economy that we have sort of little control. Uh, I think in, in terms of investment, I think just now we mentioned, you know, the property sector is still struggling, right? So because property developers don't have enough cash and therefore, you know, they're not buying enough land, they're not, you know, making new investments uh, into building new buildings. So I think as a result, you know, pro uh, property investment year on year is still down 10% uh, going into the uh, second quarter. Mm -hmm. Uh, so, Jiahe, you know, what, what's your, you know, probably what solution do you suggest, you know, for the government of the society probably to respond to the existing challenges, you know, multiple of them here. Uh, so if you look at the property, I think the government is doing quite all right because there has been a well, kind of a consensus on the market. They believe that the government should let go of the property and use the property to save the economy again. Um, uh, because that, that would be really uh, quite effective if, if, if you talk about the result of the policy. I mean, if they let the real estate market to, uh, to, to go upward like it was in the past before, uh, that can that can really bring a very positive effect to the economy in a short period of time, in say about three months. But the problem is that when you have an even higher property price, you, you finally will get problem. So that's why the government is not choosing this method. Uh, the other part that we are having uh, pressure on is regarding the export and import. 
But if you look at China's international trade uh, growth rate this year, yeah, we have been dropping. Uh, but if you look at the um, export and the import of most of the countries, well, major economies around the world, I mean, South Korea, Japan, Malaysia, Thailand, uh, uh, Vietnam, you look at their status, uh, most of their uh, growth rate is even lower than what China's having. So that shows you that China is still pretty strong with export. But uh, if, if you separates China's uh, export into two categories. One is to develop the economies like US and Europe. The other is to developing economy, economies like ASEAN uh, countries, uh, African countries. We can see that China is having a much um, better trading relationship with developing economies. And that's why the government is putting a lot of work upon. Uh, that is in order to uh, bring up the total exports. We have been able to build a much better uh, relationship with developing economies. That's really working. Mm -hmm. So and I, it seems like there's a long-term interest, short-term interest, and also there's a structural changes, you know, or the shift uh, even of the growth pattern, exactly. you know. Uh, that's the big picture. Yeah, it is. And, and you have to go through it. Like I said, there, there's no pattern you follow. There's no solution before. You have to, uh, what was it saying, uh, f cross the river by feeling the stones. And you're always going to be, be in that situation. Um, China has a system which is policy-led. That means that they consider the welfare of their people over the long run first. The market is a tool to deliver that efficiently. And you know, I think I, I would agree with my colleague. I mean, there are parts of the real estate uh, real estate industry, uh, those companies are going to have to go away. You know, when, you, you, when you're building it, you know, borrowing 15 renminbi for every renminbi you have, you're taking a that's, massive that's risk. That's a potential problem. You, well, you can't have the government come in and bail you out. I mean, th th this isn't like uh, the car companies in America, after all. So, yeah, at this juncture, I, I would agree with my colleagues, uh, there has to be um, movement, but it has to be slow. Uh, this idea of uh, just throwing money at it, you know, the, the U we tried that in the U.S., uh, you know, $6 trillion worth of stimulus money, and it's, it had a huge distortion effect uh, on our economy. And we don't even know what it is quite yet. We've seen a lot of people quit. It seems like unemployment is very low, yet, uh, you know, all of a sudden there's a surge of women coming into the, to the workplace. So, you know, things are never quite uh, the way they seem. It is not an on and off switch. It's always about balance. You know, speak of that, uh, or the big picture, you see the raw sectors. So you, do, you do see bright sports, let's say, you know, uh, for example, digital economy. Uh, the, the Xiaomi, um, you know, the mobile phone maker, uh, profit doubles in the second quarter amid a strong premium smartphone sales uh, not long ago, and PDD, uh, the owner of Temu and Pindodo, is, uh, its revenue rose uh, stronger than expected 66% in the June quarter, uh, together with uh, the EV, uh, electric vehicle export, for example, where China basically uh, has become the largest uh, exporter of EV uh, electric vehicles. I mean, that's part of the picture of the economy. Well, it's more than that. Huawei has put out its own cell phone with completely yeah. the <laughs> Chinese, 5G phone is coming a back. 5G phone that yeah. they've had and all of the parts come from China. They have successfully worked around. Now, why is this important? Because that means China, which has the largest handsets by volume uh, of, you know, in terms of companies, uh, Chinese handsets are the majority in the world. And now they have 
uh, phones that they can manufacture here. They do not need to rely on fab facilities in uh, Taiwan, uh, Japan, and South Korea, and they don't need designs from the U.S. So what happens? All of those countries get closed out of a market. China continues to sell because China is very good at mass production, getting the numbers down, you know, focusing on the client. So, you know, in the midst of all this change, you can see that China is actually going to do better in the long run. And I'll give you another example. China has been leading the world for the last eight years in the number of robots bought and installed. And it is now a situation where it's lessening the impact of labor costs because these machines can work, you know, 23 hours, 23, 23 and a half hours a day. They take out a lot of the danger and things like that. But it makes them more efficient. And together with the digital economy, it'll cut the costs of doing transactions. Uh, when you start putting that all together, long term, China's on a very good uh, pathway. And the question is, well, when does the market wake up and see that? Uh, well, Hong Kong, of course, you know, we have also external factors. Uh, we mentioned about the relationship with the United States, the U.S. bans or restrictions on the investment in China in some of the, of the uh, sectors with advanced technologies and also the restriction on the export of semiconductors, for example. And, and of course, Ukraine conflict, etc., energy prices. Uh, so, but, you know, uh, in the similar manner, you know, China's economic performance also uh, impact the global economy uh, in that sense. So uh, what's, what's your uh, prediction of this um, interrelationship, let's say, between China and the, and the rest of the economy? Well, I think um, this year China has taken the initiative to mend the relationship uh, that has been strained you know, over the past three years of pandemic. Right. So I think over the past few years, uh, the obstacle for foreign investors to understand China as a, uh, as a market you know, has become increasingly difficult you know, because uh, you know, traffic is limited uh, and also you know, some of the uh, journalists have returned home uh, because, you know, because of the pandemic. Uh, so I think as a result, you know, the, uh, the West is less knowledgeable about uh, the Chinese development than before. Uh, so I think this year, starting from this year, you know, we're trying very hard to mend the relationship and also increase bilateral communications uh, between uh, China and many of the key partners. And so, you know, these few days, uh, the uh, Secretary of Commerce uh, from the U.S. is visiting China, and I think we're making some pro uh, good progress. So we, we you know, we're setting for a, a timetable for an annual dialogue between the two countries, especially in a, in a very important uh, commercial areas. And I think you know many of the uh, American uh, companies that I, I work with uh, has expressed interest you know to uh, re uh, to be reengaged uh, with China once again. So I think it's not like you know we, we have a, a very long list of ob obstacles here. But then at the same time, you know, as as uh, in China, we always say that you know there's always more solutions than problems. Mm -hmm. Well, speak of that. Of course, we are seeing you know uh, the Chinese side uh, making efforts to attract, let's say, uh, you know, tourists from overseas and also uh, investors from other countries. For example, this preferential uh, tax policies will be extended to 2028, uh, if I'm not wrong, yes. And so, Anna, you do see, of course, of the, the COVID testing, for example, requirement will be dropped at the end of uh, August. 
So all these measures, uh, I mean, at least you can see visible efforts are being made by the government to uh, ensure there's uh, the openness and also the countries uh, will return to the normal, uh, if not uh, open, opening further. Well, I, I think normal is uh, one of those loaded terms. It uh, kind of changes as times go, goes by. Uh, yeah, I, I think the, the, the government is uh, trying very hard to do that, but there, there is some slippage in terms of uh, the, the policies coming in from the top and sometimes the impl uh, implementation at the bottom. Uh, I've heard people say, well, they, they were given a hard time at the airport, there are long lines to get uh, through the visa and things like that. And sometimes they, uh, they feel, it, friendly and everything's nice, but maybe a little bit of distance. And that's natural, uh, you know, given the uh, nasty things that are being said about China on a daily basis, uh, Chinese people are very proud of what they've achieved and they, they don't like, you know, basically being uh, hauled over the coals by people who don't seem to understand them. Um, that has to change. Um, you know, three years of COVID resulted in, you know, isolation in 2018. 52% uh, of Americans had a positive or somewhat positive view of China. Uh, today, we're uh, well below 30%. So there's been a big sea change, and a lot of that has to do with this isolation. If people can come over here and experience just what China is, see what it is, know, meet the people, it could have a great change. The only way you can ch uh, really uh, change misperceptions is through experience. And I you talked about uh, this uh, uh, Commerce Secretary uh, Gina Raimondo's uh, China visit just a couple of days ago here. Uh, he, she talked about you know, tourism. She talked about, uh, uh, you know, I'm here to convey the message from President Biden. Uh, we are not to uh, seek you know, decoupling from China. Uh, so it seems uh, there's, there are positive development in terms of the relationship here. Uh, yes, as long as the words match the actions, mm -hmm. uh, you know, people are going to be waiting to see if another, you know, U.S. warship uh, sails through the Taiwan Straits the day after she leaves, uh, whether or not the Congress passes additional anti-China legislation or the Biden White House announces another restriction. Uh, remember, this is uh, open season. It's all about politics right now in the United States. So it's very hard to measure what's going to happen here. I mean, very, very small start. Uh, she offered 27, took 27 Chinese con con companies off the blacklist, but there's still over 600 still on those blacklists. And, you know, this idea of saying, well, we're not going to budge on national security, but not defining it, not having any kind of hearings, uh, you know, for a country that says it's all about the rule of law and due process, there isn't much of that going around right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, Hong Hao, of course, uh, you know, uh, Raimondo in Shanghai, she also talked about, uh, you know, uh, she talked to the U.S. CEOs, you know, um, uh, uh, saying that, oh, China has become almost uninvestable, um, raising uh, the challenges of doing business in the China market. Uh, is there anything China, on the Chinese side, you know, Chinese government can do uh, to basically remove, I mean, if there are uh, obviously barriers of uh, attracting foreign investors? Yeah, I think maybe this kind of statement coming from misunderstanding. I mean, I'll just give a few examples. You know, for example, um, in the past couple of years, uh, many of the QV uh, fund investors uh, who has been, you know, investing and making money in China, by the way, uh, they, they were free to repatriate, you know, the, the profits and also capital, uh, initial capitals back to their own countries. Right? So, you know, this barrier has been removed and it's a huge improvement in our for, uh, forex uh, uh, currency uh, uh, management regime, 
uh, and also you know in, in terms of the Chinese currency, uh, in in terms of uh, cross border transaction, the Chinese currency is taking fifty percent uh, of the cross border transaction. That means you know even though uh, if you if you're holding the Chinese yen, it's it's more convertible, more tradable now uh, than before. Uh, so I think back in uh, two thousand and ten, uh, the U.S. dollar takes about ninety percent uh, of the uh, transaction volume cross border. Uh, so these are like phenomenal changes, and then it's making uh, the environment much more accessible for foreign investors. So I think for people who think that you know China are not investable, probably mostly from uh, misunderstanding and also you know probably you know from a, a, a perception but not uh, from reality. So I think you know many of the uh, foreign investors uh, here that I work with, uh, they express continue to express strong interest. Uh, investing in China, you know, because you know this this is 1.4 billion people, one of the largest uh, economy and also the most substantial uh, consumption market that you can have in the world, and I think the uh, rapid growth in digital commerce and also new new energy cars is really uh, uh, verify this uh, you know this kind of belief. Mm -hmm. Uh, well, Jiahe, uh, of course, you know whatever the U.S. Uh, you know uh, is going to do, or what, whatever policies they are going to have on China, that's really their business. You know, there's nothing China can do <laughs> to prevent or stop that. Uh, but you know, besides trying to maintain a stable relationship with the U.S., uh, uh, looking ahead, what China can do, I mean, to uh, continue this this uh, you know a sustainable growth. And you know, for for example, this year uh, around five percent, probably the years ahead, um, so we can maintain uh, a, a positive growth. Uh, I mean, to create the jobs and, of course, you know, for the welfare of the people. There are indeed many things that we can do. I mean, like uh, having better relationship with many other countries in the world. Of course, the U.S. is one of them. I mean, China and U.S. had really good relationship during the Second World War, if you still remember that. Uh, and it's, 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 it's no wonder that we're probably in the future we can have better relationship again. I mean, we can tell them that we're not hostile. Uh, we just want economic development to join hand with America. And America is actually realizing that. Look at the officials visiting China these days. Uh, there are so many things that China can do. I mean, raising employment, uh, encouraging consumption, these kind of things. And I think that there's one uh, quite critical thing uh, that China probably will be able to make up. And actually, the government is working on this right now. If you look at the news in the past two weeks, is that China can stimulate its uh, well, equity market. I mean, if, if you look at the valuation in the equity market in both uh, mainland market, A share and B share, and also the Hong Kong market, that share, uh, you can see the valuation right now is so cheap. I mean, it's it's probably one of the cheapest in the world. It's about, you know, for the blue chip companies, you can easily find five to eight times P ratio everywhere, high dividend yield, everything. So if the market really goes upward, then that can bring a lot of wealth effect for individuals, consumers, for the markets, for economy. Everything. Actually, if you look at the actions of the Ministry of Finance, it cuts the stamp tax by half. That means giving the market at least 150 billion yuan per year. And if there is a bull market, that means somewhere between three to 400 billion yuan per year from the Ministry of Finance to the market. And also the CSRC has also uh, set out a lot of policies to help the equity market to grow. So it looks like the government is working on this as well. Well, with that, we come to the end of today's show. Uh, many thanks to our guests. I'm Xu Jinduo. Thanks for being with us. See you next time.